Chapter Two of the Seven Secrets by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Two: A Very Ugly Secret. The consulting room in Harley Street, where Sir Bernard Ayton saw his patients and gathered in his guineas for his ill-scribbled prescriptions, differed little from a hundred others in the same severe and depressing thoroughfare. It was a very somber apartment. The walls were painted dark green and hung with two or three old portraits in oils. The furniture was of a style long past, heavy and covered in brown morocco, and the big writing-table behind which the great doctor would sit blinking at his patient through the circular gold-rimmed glasses that gave him a somewhat Teutonic appearance was noted for its prim neatness and orderly array. On the one side was an adjustable couch on the other a bookcase with glass doors containing a number of instruments which were, however, not visible because of curtains of green silk behind the glass. Into that room on three days a week Ford, the severely respectable footman, ushered in patients one after the other, many of them society women suffering from what is known in these degenerate days as nerves. Indeed, Aiton was par excellence a lady's doctor, for so many of the gentler sex got burnt up in the mad rush of a London season. I had made up my mind to consult my chief, and with that object entered his office on the following afternoon at a quarter before four. "'Well, Boyd, anything fresh?' he asked, putting off his severely professional air and lolling back in his padded writing-chair as I entered. "'No, nothing,' I responded, throwing myself in the patient's chair opposite him, and tossing my gloves on the table. A hard day down at the hospital, that's all. You've been busy as usual, I suppose. Busy, the old man echoed. Why, these confounded women never let me alone for a single instant. Always the same story. Excitement, late hours, little worries over airing husbands, and all that sort of thing. I always know what's coming as soon as they get seated and settled. I really don't know what society's coming to, boy and he blinked over at me through his heavy-framed spectacles. About sixty of middle height, he was slightly inclined to rotundity, with hair almost white, a stubbly gray beard, and a pair of keen eyes rather prominently set in a bony but not unpleasant countenance. He had a peculiar habit of stroking his left ear when puzzled, and was not without those little eccentricities which run hand in hand with genius. One of them was his fondness for amateur theatricals, for he was a leading member of the dramatic club at Hove and nearly always took part in the performances. But he was a pronounced miser. Each day when he arrived at Victoria Station from Hove, he purchased three ham sandwiches at the refreshment bar and carried them in his black bag to Harley Street. He there concealed them in a drawer in the writing table and stealthily ate them instead of taking half an hour for luncheon. Sometimes he sent Ford out to the nearest green grocer's in the Marlborough Road for a penny apple, which he surreptitiously ate as dessert. Indeed, he was finishing his last sandwich when I entered, and his mouth was full. It may have been that small fact which caused me to hesitate. At any rate, sitting there with those big round eyes peering forth upon me, I felt the absurdity of the situation. Presently, when he had finished his sandwich, carefully brushed the crumbs from his blotting-pad, and cast the bag into the waste-paper basket. 
He raised his head and, with his big eyes again blinking through his spectacles, said, "'You've had no call to poor old Courtney, I suppose?' "'No,' I responded. "'Why?' "'Because he's in a bad way.' "'Worse?' "'Yes,' he replied. "'I'm rather anxious about him. He'll have to keep to his bed, I fear.' I did not in the least doubt this. Old Mr. Henry Courtney, one of the Devonshire Courtenays, a very wealthy if somewhat eccentric old gentleman, lived in one of those prim, pleasant, detached houses in Richmond Road, facing Kew Gardens, and was one of Sir Bernard's best patients. He had been under him for a number of years until they had become personal friends. One of his eccentricities was to insist on paying heavy fees to his medical adviser, believing perhaps that, by doing so, he would secure greater and more careful attention. But, strangely enough, mention of the name suddenly gave me the clue so long wanting. It aroused within me a sense of impending evil regarding the very man of whom we were speaking. The sound of the name seemed to strike the sympathetic chord within my brain, and I at once became cognizant that the unaccountable presage of impending misfortune was connected with that rather incongruous household down at Kew. Therefore, when Sir Bernard imparted to me his misgivings, I was quickly on the alert and questioned him regarding the progress of old Mr. Courtney's disease. "'The poor fellow is sinking, I'm afraid, Boyd,' exclaimed my chief, confidentially. "'He doesn't believe himself half so ill as he is. When did you see him last?' "'Only a few days ago. I thought he seemed much improved,' I said. "'Ah, of course,' the old doctor snapped his manner towards me in an instant change. You're a frequent visitor there, I forgot. Feminine attraction and all that sort of thing. Dangerous, boy. Dangerous to run after a woman of her sort. I'm an older man than you. Why haven't you taken the hint I gave you long ago? Because I could see no reason why I should not continue my friendship with Ethelwyn Mivart. My dear boy, he responded, in a sympathetic fatherly manner which he sometimes assumed. I'm an old bachelor, and I see quite sufficient of women in this room, too much of them, in fact. The majority are utterly worthless. Recollect that I have never taken away a woman's character yet, and I refuse to do so now, especially to her lover. I merely warn you, Boyd, to drop her. That's all. If you don't, depend upon it, you'll regret it. "'Then there's some secret or other of her past which she conceals, I suppose?' I said hoarsely, feeling confident that, being so intimate with his patient old Mr. Courtney, he had discovered it. "'Yes,' he replied, blinking again at me through his glasses. "'There is a very ugly secret.'" End of chapter 2 Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com